Amen. <clears throat> I want to go to Joshua chapter 3, verse number 3. and want to uh, share with just a few moments tonight. Don't anticipate on keeping you a long time, but I just want to share some things on my heart tonight, if that's all right. Praise God. Joshua chapter 3. Verse number three. Joshua's getting orders from the Lord here to go into another realm. He said, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Amen. Then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about 1,000 yards. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for your eternal word. That is always a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. We pray tonight in our next few moments as we look into your word, God, that your word will look into us. Let us have transformation tonight for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. As leadership, one of the things that uh, you get to do is you get to go before everyone else you go ahead of the people you prepare uh, for what God is doing and uh, you're planning you're preparing you're anticipating and God allows you to be able to see into the next realm or the place that God wants to take you and take the people and uh, so that is One of the things that I want to share with you tonight, we see that revelation here unfold with Joshua. Uh, But uh, I believe that the Lord is wanting us here in this house to, uh, to go into some realms that we haven't gone into before in 2015. Uh, He wants us to experience some things we haven't experienced before. Uh, whenever, as I've told you before, that whenever there is a prophetic word that is released, it is, uh, it is potential. It, it does not mean it is promise, but it is potential. Um, what we do with that word and how we walk it out will determine if that word will come to pass or not over our lives. A lot of times we, uh, 
receive a word and then we we wait on the word and the word never comes to pass and we say that they're a false prophet there's that was a bad word but uh if it is a true word from god it is potential and so when we take that word then we have to begin to walk it out to flesh it out and god wants us to do something uh in this uh, hour and it isn't because there is a change in the time clock It isn't because 2014 rolls out and 2015 comes in. It is about the time clock of God. Uh, You know, God is in eternity and he does everything in time. He's not bound by time. He creates everything outside of time and does everything in time. In the fullness of time, he sent forth his son, right? And so it is with that understanding that we know that God is not limited by time nor space, but he does everything in his time. And so what we have to understand is then is the sons of Ishkar, which understood the time and the season and also understood what to do in that season. There's no no, uh, good value if you know what season you're in, but don't know what to do. Uh, So we've got to not only know the time and the season that we're in, but we've got to know what we should do. And we see here in Joshua chapter 3 that up until now they were led by a cloud by day and fire by night. And now Joshua has taken the reins and he is the one that is now in leadership. And we see that at that uh Now something new is taking place. Something different is about to take place. God is about to take them somewhere that they have never been. And as a result of that, he reveals himself in a way that they have never seen him before. They were uh, uh, so, so... comfortable with God being the cloud by day and the fire by night that they probably didn't even pay any attention to it any longer. They were walking around, if you will, in this air-conditioned vacuum through the desert uh, by the day and a fire to warm them at night that after 40 years it had just become normal to them. And now they would just, when the cloud moved, they moved with the cloud. Uh, uh, They would uh, cry out as they seen the cloud moving. The watcher would cry and say, God is arising. And whenever he cried, God is arising, they knew that they had time to pack up their gear, get everything ready, and begin to move with the cloud. Uh, But now the cloud was about to depart. The fire was about to go. And now God says, "I I want you to do something different. He said, I want you to look for the ark of God. I want you to look for the ark of God. Quit looking in the heavens and start looking in the earth. Because you see, there comes a time whenever what has been in the heavens will manifest in the earth. 
And so he says to them, don't look for the cloud or the fire or the pillar any longer, but look into the earth because there is an ark. And that ark represents, it not is not, but it represents God. It represents his presence. It represents his glory. And he said, I'm just going to be still be with you, but I'm going to be with you in a different facet. I'm going to be with you in a different way. And so I need you to look with different eyes. I need you to look at me in a brand new way. Amen. How many know that, that the God that we serve, that we've kind of got comfortable with him? Until there's no awe any longer. There isn't even any reverential fear of him anymore. Amen. But how many know that if we had an, you know, and we know God's a God of grace and mercy, but if we had an Ananias and Sapphira episode in the church, huh? it, it, it could straighten up a lot of things quick, fast, and in a hurry. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but God shows us his grace. He shows us his mercy. We know that he's a loving God, right? But yet we, we have lost the awe, the reverence, the, the fear of the Lord. Not a fear of being scared, as I preached a few weeks ago, but a reverential fear that we stand in awe. And God tells them, he said, now I want you to understand that this glory is going to be near you. You can see it. It's not in the heavens any longer. It's in the earth. But he said, but I don't, I want you to still honor and respect my glory. I want you to respect my presence. And he said, I don't want you to come any closer than, than a thousand yards. These, these 2000 paces, it, it represents a little bit, a bit over a thousand yards. It's to respect God's glory and his presence. But how many know that if you can just get within a thousand yards of God, you can have everything you need. His glory radiates everywhere that he is. Amen. And so when we look at this, as we read verse four, the letter part jumps. Oh, uh, this verse uh, jumped off at us because it says for you have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. You know, it, it means to go beyond. It means to get over. It means to go from one side to the other, indicating uh, uh, more than any other crossing over a river. And so we see this natural instinct of man is we always want to go the way we know. <coughs> is it true? We will go further distance to take away that we know rather than risk us going a direct, a direct path that would get us quicker, but we do not know for sure how we're going to get there or if we will arrive. Come on. Amen. And so even though that it may be quicker, we do not take the risk. And by the way, uh, in thinking about this, I, I spell faith, R-I-S-K. We can be all kind of crazy religious kind of stuff, but faith when it boils down is risk. Amen. It's not stupid risk. It's not crazy risk. It's a risk that you take in God that says, I don't know for sure. Because if you know something for sure, then it doesn't take no faith. 
right? And so it is a risk for me to go from pass over this water. It is a risk for me to, to give up the cloud and the pillar and begin to, to, to start following this box through the wilderness. It's a risk for me to, to believe those things in which I understand, comprehend, and now have become comfortable with, only to begin to seek after and grope after like a blind man trying to find his way through a new room. I'm seeking for that place, not knowing with for certainty that I'm going to make it, only leaving with a promise. Have you ever been that way before? Most people will, they'll, they'll take the way they know, even if it takes them longer to get there, because they know they're going to get there. God wants to take us where we have never been before, and this requires trust. It requires faith. It requires a risk. Amen. Now, we're not the first ones that God ever asked to do it. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. We know it very well. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Amen. When did he obey? After thinking about it, when he, when, when, when he went and he asked Sarah... When he prayed about it, no, Abraham obeyed when he was called. Amen. Now that's powerful. We can act super spiritual if we want to, but Abraham didn't wait around and say, I need to pray about it, need to fast, I need to put out a fleece. Abraham was called and he obeyed. Amen. And and he goes out to the place which he was would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going but by faith he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise for he waited for for the city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God And I don't know about you, but it, it, it impresses me that he even obeyed when he was called. Amen. But now, just to flesh this thing out, Richard, uh, what, would, what would you think if God told you to get up and leave and go to some country, some place you didn't know where you, would you want to go tell Ellie that? Mm-mm. I know sure enough, I wouldn't want to go home and tell Renee that. Just get the kids settled in. They're going through their process in life. We're just living life. We're comfortable where we're at. And now God says, I want you to get up and go. I can see Abraham trying to tell Sarah about this. I'm not putting it off on Sarah that she wouldn't go or never. Maybe she just said yes. I don't know. But I can, I can see him trying to explain to her, God said we're going to go. Where are we going? He didn't tell me. Amen. Now, I'm telling you that, that I, I would like to think I have a little bit of faith, but I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't think I've got that kind of faith. I'd want to know somewhere I'm going. 
because I don't like driving sure enough anyways. And for me to get in a vehicle and go somewhere not knowing where I'm going, how are you going to know if you got there if you don't know where you're going? Huh? But here Abraham was, amen, and if we can just modernize this story, he gets in his vehicle, he gets in, in his life, he gathers up his camels and starts this journey and he goes not knowing where he is going. He didn't wait, he didn't hesitate, he just responded when he was called, obeyed the word of the Lord, gets everything he's got together and begins his journey to this place that he knows not where he is going. But when he got there, he knew he was there. Not because there was a big house waiting on him. Not because there was a thousand camels in the yard. Amen. Because I would have thought that after this kind of act of obedience, that God sure enough would have had a big house waiting on Abraham. He would have tried to soothe Sister Sarah by giving her something nice that she wanted. But the Bible said when he got there, he was like a stranger in the land of promise. Even though this is the place, I still feel strange. Even though this is the place, I'm still feeling like I'm an outcast. I'm a stranger in this land that is my promise. Amen. I want to tell you tonight that it is possible that we can come into a season of our life where that we can walk into the place of promise and yet feel like a stranger. Yet feel as though this isn't home yet. I know this is what God promised me, but it just doesn't feel quite right yet in my life. I'm feeling weird. I'm feeling strange. I feel like I'm the outcast. I'm the one that, that is the, why don't I feel like I'm the man of the house? Why don't I feel like I'm the king of the castle? Why don't I feel like I'm in charge and enlarged? But Abraham, here he is, goes to this place. He says, this is the place, this is the land, but there's no house. They just live in a tent. Pick up your family, move them to a place. God says this is the place, but there ain't no house and ain't nobody making them feel welcome. Huh? And they're living in a pup tent. <laughs> yeah, glory to God. Tell your wife you're going to camp out for 10 years because this wasn't just an overnight thing. Huh? Read the scripture. It says it was a long process, but they were faithful to live in a tent. Why was it not a house? Why was it not something that was solid and stable? I believe it was because it, that it was spoke to me of being mobile. Being mobile, being able to move from place to place, being understanding this is the blessing, this is the promised land, but I'm believing God that he's not just going to give me a house, but he's going to give me the whole land. 
He's going to give me everything that my eye can see. He's going to give me everything that my heart can believe for. Amen. And Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. He never gave up on the promise, praise God. But he just held on to the promise, even though when he got there, there wasn't all of this stuff that said, you showed up at the right place. Can I tell you, can I be honest with you tonight? Every time that I've walked with the Lord and God would speak to me and I feel like I follow his heart, it doesn't always show up with a ribbon on it. It doesn't always show up and say, welcome. There are times whenever you have to flesh it out. There are times that you got to know in your heart that you're following his heart. You're walking after him. And even though that the blessings don't overtake you, even though all of this whirlwind of glory doesn't show up, you just know in your heart, this is the land. This is the place that God has ordained for me. And if I have to live in a pup tent, if I have to live out here and be the outcast, if I live out here and be last, at and mocked at, I know in my heart this is the place and one day I'm not just going to get the house but I'm going to get the land of promise and everything God has promised me is coming. Amen. When God takes us into our place of promise, it's probably going to look strange and feel uncomfortable. It's probably not going to look the way you're used to it looking. It's probably not going to sound the way you're used to hearing. The surroundings are going to be different. The atmosphere is going to be changed. The culture will be different. Why? Because why would God do this to somebody? To torture them? Why would he do this? Because he's angry? I submit to you that he's a loving God. But he does that to strip out of us, all of us, so that we have to totally depend upon him. And if we go by the way that we know, then we will depend upon the arm of the flesh. But when we're in a place of uncertainty that we do not know where we are or what we are going to do, we look like Joshua and we say we're looking for his glory to lead us. We're looking for his presence to take us. We're looking for his promise to overshadow us because we don't know where we're at. We don't know what's going on, but we know that God has led us and his glory is leading us. So we're just going to keep following the box. Amen. We're just going to keep following him. The Lord desires to take us to a place in him that we've never experienced before. He wants to reveal a new freshness to us. I really believe this. I believe that he wants to show us something fresh, a fresh thing that that we haven't experienced before. He wants us to move beyond the familiar and step into a greater measure of his glory where that we understand that it is his glory that we really need, that it is his presence that we really desire. Because you see, it's not things because things will vanish and go away, but his glory will last. The residue of his glory upon Moses was enough that people couldn't even look on him. 
Amen. Just the residue, just the, just the over, overflow of his glory. People could not look upon Moses. So when we begin to see a freshness of his spirit, a freshness of his glory, it will be bright, it will illuminate us, it will cause us to see him in a way where we have never seen him before. In order to see this in our lives, we must not limit God by what we have seen him do in the past. Amen. Just because we have never seen God do it does not mean God won't. But we have put limitations upon it. That's what got Martha and Mary upset, or Jesus upset with Martha and Mary. Remember that? They were good friends. That's where Jesus hung out at. But Martha and Mary come running and saying, you're late. He's done dead. They gave up. Because their, their understanding of Jesus was he's a healer. But they had never seen him raise anybody from the dead. And Jesus was there that day, now four days to their thinking late, so that he could reveal to them that I'm not only bad enough to heal him, but I'm bad enough to raise him from the dead. Amen. And so we've got to begin to push in on God. I believe that he wants to show us a freshness in this hour. He wants to show us something we've never seen before. Why do I believe this? Because the gross darkness that's upon the face of the earth. Amen. The gross darkness upon the face of the earth. But what did Isaiah tell us when gross darkness come? He didn't say cry and he didn't say give up. He didn't say quit. He didn't say throw in the towel. He said when gross darkness covers the earth, he said arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen. And so when that glory of the Lord rises upon us with a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, we're going to see him greater than we've ever seen him before. We're going to see him more than providing a house for us. Thank God for a house, huh? Uh, we're going to seek him more than getting us a car or, or doing this and little, these little things. But we're going to see him in his glory. And in his glory, it's greater than things that we have. But in his glory, in his presence, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. In his presence, sick bodies get healed. In his presence, amen, minds are changed and spirits are transformed. In his presence, in the weightiness of his glory can take the wicked heart and turn it toward him because the Bible said the heart of the king is in the hand of God. And so when he begins to work a work and his glory begins to fill the house, his glory will shift the heart of man. And we need the shifting in our land. We need a shifting in our land in order to see this in our lives, we must not limit him. If we do, then we will miss what he's wanting to do in this last day. If we put him in a box of what he has done and say that's all he is able to do, then Pastor Jamie, we might as well die. Because our future, our present is gone and our future isn't even there. Amen? 
Because I didn't get saved for God to pull me through a knot hole backwards and hold the fort till he comes. I didn't get saved to see if I could stay saved until he showed up. But I got saved so that I could be a conduit for what was in heaven to get into the earth. Amen. And for there to be a revelation of his glory and his power and his anointing to be uh, released into the earth. Praise God. And so we've got to have an expectation in our lives. If our expectation for is only for the usual and the familiar, then we just put God in this box. And this is dangerous because we diminish and we de- the things that we desire and we put limitations on what God is able to do. But I still want God to blow my mind. I still want God to show up and reveal himself in a way that I have never seen before. But if we are not careful, we will, we will become, it becomes dangerous because when we limit God, then we, our desire is limited, our anticipation is limited, and as a result of our, limit, our expectations be limited, then we lose our spiritual hunger. And when we lose our spiritual hunger, then there is no glory to be drawn to. So when there's no glory, then we just go through the mundane living life. And once our hunger is gone, we become complacent. And when we become complacent, then we just do church. And when we just do church, then God things don't happen. We get locked into routines and we go through the process and we get satisfied with a good praise team, good lights, good atmosphere, a nice oratorial speaker with self-helps. Amen. And we just become a religious social club but no manifestation of power, nobody getting set free, no miracles taking place. The supernatural is lost, huh? And and I believe, I believe that we're about to return back to our roots. I believe that we're about to go full circle in this thing. People act like, you know, things are, you know, these are, this is new and that's new. Well, it, there's things that people are doing that they think are new that been doing for a long time. Amen. But if we're not careful, we'll lose our passion. We'll lose our desire and we'll begin to operate out of obligation and duty. And obligation and duty does not manifest glory. Passion and pursuit manifest glory. God has yet to let down his people that would passionately pursue him. David said, as a deer pants for the waters, brook my soul longs after you. And somewhere along the way, amen, David found him because he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. His pursuit after God, God honored it. And you see, we we go to church and we go through these fellowships and we go through these exercises and processes, but we never see the presence of God. Going to church and fellowshipping with other believers ought to be an experience that we enjoy. 
Excited to do it. Can't wait to do it. Huh? Because we're coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus of like passion. And we should be passionate about seeking his presence. There ought to be something inside of us that says we want more of God. More than just a good song, but out of our hearts we cry. Our praise and worship, but should be heartfelt instead of just going through the motions. Because we can sing a lot of empty songs and we can go through a lot of motions and yet there is no manifestation of power. Why? Because we've not done it from our heart. God, Jesus said that they, they, with their lips they say they love me, but their heart is far from me. And so there's got to be a, a shift. There's got to be a turn for us to go to a place of fervency. And we've lost that fervent passion. We're too concerned about who's watching us. We're too concerned about what people will think. Huh? We're too concerned even in the house of God. If somebody might laugh at my dance or they may look at me funny if I clap too loud. But the reality is, baby, if that's what's on your mind, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Because you see, your clap needs to be for him. And your dance needs to be about him. Amen. And you need to praise him and him alone. And therefore, if you can't dance, but you're dancing for him, he will be honored in it. If you clap off beat, but you you're doing it for him he'll honor you for it why because your heart is right and if your heart is pursuing after him then he's going to seek you out he's going to find you we've lost our fervency for him we've lost our passion for his presence and his house amen Something's wrong in our spiritual walk when we've lost our passion for him, the pursuit of him, and the desire for his house, desire for fellowship with brothers. There's something spiritually wrong. Amen? Verse 5 tells us here the solution to our lack of desire and hunger. Now, this is a curse word. Y'all forgive me for cussing tonight, won't you? How many forgive me for cussing? All right, six of you. Sanctify. (laughs) That's a bad word in the church these days. Sanctify yourself. Amen. Now, what is sanctification? Well, Before we get all caught up in that, I can tell you what it's not. It's not about long hair. It's not about ear bobs. Huh? Some of you ain't been in the church long enough to hear that, have you? Some it ain't about it ain't about, you know, wearing makeup and jewelry. It isn't about wearing, you know, gotta wear a dress. Have you ever noticed how most of these are tilted toward the women? Yeah. He's going to help me, weren't you? It ain't about preachers wearing long sleeves. That's all external. That's something you can do. If you could do that, then you could, you know, you don't need God. 
Huh? But sanctification is not the outward, it's the inward. And what's working on the inside will begin to reflect on the outside. Right? You can put lipstick on a pig, but he'll still waller in the mud. Huh? Because he's still a pig. Come on, somebody. And you can dress people up, amen, and make sure they got long hair, a nice dress on that comes down to their wrist and still got a long tongue that can't shut up. Amen. Dress it up, but it'll still sin. Why? Because it's in the heart. Sanctification begins in the heart of a man, a heart of a woman. And what is sanctification? I, I, I know, you know, even on my, my, my church report, and I hope they don't send it to the state office or whatever. But anyways, on my church report, I've wondered for 30 some years, what sanctified, what does that mean? They asked me, how many people did you get sanctified this month? I don't know. I thought I was sanctified once. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I'll get that later. Amen. But I believe, you know, is it instantaneous or is it progressive? I say it's both. Huh? Huh? God can instantly set you free from addiction and bondage and works of the enemy. But then it's a progress. Every day of my life, he is cleansing me and working a work inside of me to take out of what, it, what is not like him and put in what is like him. Amen. And so the sanctified is a, a sanctified lifestyle. Then in order to restore us in every part of our life, in our spirit, in our mind, and in our emotions, that we begin to think like Christ, we act like Christ, we respond in a Christ-like way, right? And why is that? Because we are being, we are being sanctified. Amen? How are we being sanctified? Well, through his word. The Bible said that we, we will be cleansed. How? As we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, our soul shall be saved. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, our suke. Right? And so as I receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, my mind, my will, and my emotions are being sanctified. It's a process, glory to God, that's taking place. But how do I know if I've been sanctified or not? Well, for this uh, lesson here tonight, I just I come up and thinking about this, I, I just believe that when we are sanctified, there will be a passion for God. Whenever we, we are doing our own thing, we're living our own life and living according to the flesh instead of the spirit, when, amen, there, will be the, there, there won't be any passion for God. There won't be any desire to read. There won't be any desire to come to his house. There'll be no desire to worship him. But whenever I am receiving that word that is saving my soul, amen, my mind, my will, and my emotions, then I begin, my spirit comes alive and I begin to hunger 
hunger for the things of God, the things of the spirit. And so I want to read his word. I want to worship him. I want to pray. I want to come together with brothers and sisters and join our faith together as we have here tonight and say we believe that God is able to do anything. He's able to heal. He's able to save. He's able to deliver. Why? Because we know he is an awesome God and we expect his glory to show up in our lives. So how do we sanctify ourselves? By reading his word and applying it to our lives. Look again here at verse number five and notice the progression. First comes sanctification, then comes wonders. Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. We can't get wonders because we're not sanctifying ourselves. But once we sanctify ourselves through the washing, the reading of the word, applying it to our lives, then we can fully expect wonders. Fully expect wonders. Because this is what he told Joshua. He said, sanctify yourself tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Once we go through the process, God will do the wonders. This is his desire for us, brothers and sisters. This is God's desire. This is the heart of God. That in this last day, we would live sanctified lives before him. Pursue him wholeheartedly. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. (laughs) No way. But it means I'm pursuing him. Daily he's shifting me. Daily he's changing me. I'm going wholeheartedly after him. I'm doing my best to serve him. And then he said, I will do wonders. How many like God to do a wonder in your family? Do a wonder in your life. How will we know that we've achieved sanctification? The hunger that returns. We'll have an appetite for the things of God, for his presence, his glory. Fire and passion will consume every part of our being. When was the last time you couldn't wait to get to church? When was the last time you couldn't wait to stand and begin worship? When was the last time that you woke up at three o'clock in the morning? For whatever reason it was and the first thing on your mind. I love you, God. I want your presence. I want you more. Want you more than anything. I need your presence. I believe that God is calling us to a place of a sanctified life. 
and and please understand whenever I, I, I say, you know, we joke around about it because we're on this side of it. But, you know, folks, they, they did that kind of stuff. You know, they'd wear them long clothes and long hair and, and no jewelry and makeup and all that stuff. And, you know, my grandmother Matthews and grandma Frame never did, you know, see them in no britches. Never. But you know what? I thought to myself, you know, especially Grandma Frame, she's in northern Ohio with us. I I thought on those cold winter nights, you'd sure enough feel a lot better if you put some pants on. It'd help you out. Amen? But you know why she did that? Because she loved God. She loved God. Grandmother Matthews, you know, she is old church of God. She wouldn't even drink out of a Coke bottle because, um, you know, a Coke bottle, uh, that was the shape of a woman. <laughs> I ain't been to some of the churches I've been to. They've been a four liter. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. She didn't do that wasn't necessary, was it? <laughs> she didn't do it because she loved God. But you know what? You can't get folks to do nothing now because they've lost their passion and their love. We laugh at them and mock them, you know, kind of mock or laugh at it about, about it now. We say, look how foolish they were. But we've swung to the other side of the pendulum where you can't get folk to do anything. To just have clean hands and a pure heart before God. And we've got to get this pendulum back in the middle. In balance. And say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going after you. Whatever it takes, I want your presence. I want your glory. God, I may go... And I don't understand why I'm going. I may have to go through this thing by myself. I may have to go through it in un, un, uncharted territory. Maybe have to do it on faith. But God, whatever it is, I'm going to do it because I trust you and I believe you that when I get there, I'm going to know I'm there. And your glory is going to reveal yourself in a brand new way in my life. I just, I've just heard that in my spirit all day that there's a freshness of his glory coming to the body of Christ. And I believe that today. I believe that he's going to reveal himself in a fresh way. Can we go after him tonight? Can we believe for him tonight? Can we go after him together and say we're going to go and we're going to believe you, God, to do great and mighty things among us. As a deer pants for the water's brook. Yet my soul pants for you, God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together.